0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for
1: people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com.
0: Good morning. Um, I have our morning little scripture reading for us. This comes from Galatians 1, 10 through 12, and this is out of the message translation of the bible do you think i speak this strongly in order to manipulate crowds or curry favor with god or get popular applause if that was my goal sorry if my goal was popularity i wouldn't bother being christ's slave know this i am most empathetic here friends this great message i deliver to you is not mere human optimism I didn't receive it through the traditions, and I wasn't taught it in some school. I got it straight from God, received the message directly from Jesus Christ. Grab your Bibles, if you could, and open up to... It's
1: kind of like that moment, that building moment. Galatians, Galatians 1.10. Here's my question for you this morning. Imagine your family and friends are up here on the stage. I invite them up. This may happen this morning. I invite your friends and your family up here, and I ask them, what is your driving force in your life? What is the driving force that pushes you in your life? What would they say? Not what you would say, not what you'd want them to say, but what would they actually say is the driving force in your life, the driving force. And when I say drive, what I mean by that is imagine that you're trying to describe to someone uh, who's not from the coast and they've never been in the ocean and they've never been sucked out by a rip current. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like when you're out there and it happens to everyone, all three of my kids have been rescued by the lifeguards, where they go, woo let's have fun. And next thing you know, you're like, how did I get out here? You don't even know that that current is there. That's when you're being driven. Another way that we use the word drive um, is... Uh, to be, like if you take a hammer and you drive a nail, you're, you're directing, you're controlling, you're guiding that net nail, you're driving a car, right? So when we ask the question, what is the driving force in your life? Or if we were to ask others, what is the driving force in your life? That's what we mean. That's what we're talking about. So what is it for you? The way we're gonna use that word this morning Drive, when we bring that up, it means to guide, to control, to direct. Another way to say it is, it is it's your will or the motivation. The motivation that's underneath, the current that is pushing you. And so often, that's invisible. You don't even know it's happening, but it's there. Much like the rip current uh, in the ocean. You don't even know it's happening, and then it's there. You, if you were to really pay attention, or if you're experienced... But for most of us, it just kind of happens. We don't even know those currents. Um, for me, I was thinking back to when I was younger, and I was thinking, what was a driving force? And a driving force for me, it was an unknown one. As a kid, is that like a sound? Oh, somebody's, t- <laughs> what's up, Willie? <laughs> this is Willie. I met him last week. He's pretty rad. You have a very deep Willie Nelson voice. It <laughs> were like, carried. it had this depth to it. Um, So when I was younger, the driving force was to win. Anybody familiar with that in your life? Most of us were taught that, right? To win. I wanted to, to beat the competition, whether it be in school. I mean, it wasn't just, hey, let's get good grades. It was like, how'd you do? How'd you do? You know, I would compare myself to others in terms of sports. Of course, that's a normal competition that's built in there. Popularity, Uh, whatever it was, there was this sense that I was supposed to. That's what I'm here on earth for, right? I'm here on earth because I'm supposed to win, and that's what success means. And if you go even deeper underneath that, what was driving that desire to compete? It's that desire to be recognized, that desire for self worth, it's that desire to have an identity, it's that desire to be rewarded, it's that desire to be loved. And that was an undercurrent, and the way to get that was to compete and to win, especially. And so that was a driving force in my life. I didn't even know what was happening, but I was getting sucked out, and, and I was acting and living based on that current. That was directing and controlling my life. It chose the university I went to. it chose the way I spent my time, the way money was spent. I mean, I had to have Sperry topsiders. I had to, because that was the cool thing, and you can't wear it with socks, so I would get completely ripped up. If, you know, if you're around my age, you know what I'm talking, it's coming back around, or it came back around and then it ditched. When you wear it without, it, you get these ridiculous like, cuts in your heel, and they don't heal, but you'll push through. You'll push through if it means that you're wearing the cool shoes, and if you're wearing the cool shoes, it means people will like you. course that doesn't really work, but that's the kind of stuff that you think, and so it drives and controls you. There are things that are driving and controlling us, and I this morning don't want us to be unaware of those, and especially as we talk about what on earth am I here for. I want to bring our consciousness to what drives us and what should drive us, but for us to think of what could drive us, we need to think of those things that do drive us, and so here's a few things that I think that you can relate with that are forces, currents, that drive us, that direct, control, or guide us in how we live our lives. Um, one of the things is uh, guilt. A lot of us are operating out of guilt. We feel bad about something, so that kind of guides and controls us. If, if you hear yourself saying, I should, if you hear that word come out of your mouth, or if you feel that, that's guilt probably. I should have, I should do this. Um, it, you, you're always apologizing in your heart or to others. And that could be a driving force. You may do things so that you don't have to feel guilt. Another thing that we can do is, uh, that has a, a, an undercurrent, something that drives us, controls us, is um, anger, uh, resentment. Oh, really? You're going to say that about me? You did that? My parents did this, my brother did this, my sister did this, my kids did this. Oh, watch me now. And it's this thing that fuels you. Sometimes that drive, it's like this, it's like gasoline inside and sometimes it blows up and sometimes it's what fuels you and gives you energy. Um, uh, I remember telling my kids this. This is when I started to discover I had a problem with competing. For the most part, I think, I mean, it's always there, but it's really lessened. But I remember telling my kids when they were playing sports, they were playing sports to have fun. (laughs) They didn't get it. And so I remember one of my kids, I'm like, you just got to get angry, man. You just got to, and they just kind of looked at me like, huh? I was like, wait, they don't get it. Wait, why don't they get it? That was part of the fuel. We, we have those things that fuel us, and sometimes it's anger that drives us, sometimes in, into destruction, and sometimes what we think would be a positive way. It gives us energy. But that's not one of the things that God's created for us to drive us. But yet it's one of the things. Uh, materialism I love what uh, Rick Warren said he said self worth is not the same as net worth getting acquiring it's not gonna someone brought this up to me over the past year and it's been ringing in my head and I remember on the deathbed not at any time was I sitting there going Steph can you come closer can you open up the Chase bank app and can you just show me, how did we do? Like, it, it drives you on a daily basis, but when it gets to the end, you don't care. It doesn't matter. And yet, it can be one of those things that drives us, fuels us, or it creates that fear on top of that. It's that current. You know, we, we base our value. Like, I got a lot. I got little. I got a lot in savings. I got nothing. I'm in debt. And we base our value, or we base our future, or, we, or it just drives us to do things. It will determine our day. It wasn't meant to be that way. And the last one that I'm going to bring up, there's, there's tons of them, is to please other people, to win other people's approval can drive us. I think that's probably one of the biggest factors. I know it was a huge factor in my life. I know it's a huge factor in people that I meet with. Um, and so I want us to look at that specifically because God's word is very clear about what should drive us because a lot of times it's invisible, but it's meant to be a choice. I don't want us to leave this morning and us not make a decision what we will allow to drive us because as we bring this stuff that's in the dark into the light, we should be able to look at it and go, is that driving me? Is this what's pushing me forward? Have I thought through this? What on earth am I here for? But what is driving me? So I don't want us to leave. We need to understand it's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not a, it's not, a, um, it's not an urge, it's a choice. What drives you should be a choice that you make. You may shift in and out of it, but it needs to be a choice. So let's look, uh, open up your Bibles if you could, to Galatians 1.10. I want to show you some other places in Scripture, though, where it talks about this drive, this motivation. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of our favorite passages to talk about here, says this. Put your trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will guide, he will control, he will be the drive that puts you on the path. Ecclesiastes 4.4, a great, great book. Um, Solomon said this, I observed that the basic motive for success is the driving force of envy and jealousy. So I gave you a list of other things that could be driving us, but he brings up envy and jealousy as things that could drive us. And in Matthew 6.10, Jesus taught us to pray. This is for all those, this isn't the Lord's prayer. I know we call it that because he taught us, but he gave it to us as the disciples' prayer, the students' prayer, the apprentice' prayer. This is what we should be praying Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what should be the driving force. That's the answer. That's what we should make the decision is that, God, we want your kingdom to come. We want that to push us, drive us, take us where you want us to go. May your will be done on earth, here, day to day as it is in heaven. But the passage we're going to look at specifically is almost like a life passage for me. And this is Paul. And to get some of his background, if, if you read any of the letters that Paul wrote, he'll he'll introduce himself. Hey, this is Paul. Duh, 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 duh. You know that's what you do in a letter, right? Because he's writing it to this big group of people, and then he'll say, "I'm so thankful for this, and I'm so thankful for that, and you guys are doing great here." But in this letter, he doesn't do that. He says, "Hi, I'm Paul. What the heck are you guys doing?" He gets right into it, and then as he goes down, this is actually an introduction to what he says later. Because there's all these, all these people that are, are judging him. And they're, and they're like, well, should we listen to Paul? We think he's trying to show off. And they go into all these basic um, attacks on him. And so he says this. Am I, try, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. The way I memorized this, because I needed to memorize this, because, I, like I told you, I, when I discovered one of the driving forces in my life, which was invisible to me, but when it became apparent and when was brought out into the light, I was like, "Oh, that's a bummer." And this passage, when I first read it, I was like, that, I think Paul wrote that for me. Am I seeking the approval of man or of God? In fact, the first time I heard that verse, it wasn't even in the Bible. I just heard it. It was the first time I heard God's voice. And I was frustrated and I was upset because I wasn't getting the, the reward that I thought I was gonna, supposed to get from people when I obeyed God. I know, doesn't make much sense, right? But that's how I was thinking. Oh, if God, if I do what you want, then people are gonna like me. And it was this wake-up call where the Lord's like, and this is when I heard his voice. Are you trying to please people or me? And the tears just dried up and I was like, whoa, whoa, 18 years old. And that began to redirect the course of my life where I wasn't trying to win the people's (laughs) approval. Now, don't get me wrong here, I want you to like me. I want you to walk out of here, I want you to Instagram, oh my gosh, best speaker ever. I want you to take anything I say, I want you to quote and go, woohoo, look what this guy said. Everybody wants that. There is some little driving force right here going, did they like that? Did they like this? Did they like that? Did you hurt their feelings here? Be careful. That voice never stops talking. But I choose daily to go, that's a liar, and that's not worth the effort, and that's not going to drive me. This is what I want to drive me. Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? If I'm trying to please people, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Notice how he's saying you can't do one or the other. And it's not just about pleasing people, it's the same when it comes to what we talked about with fear. Am I going to let fear guide me or am I going to let Christ guide me? Am I going to let shame be what controls me or Christ? to be my boss? Am I going to let materialism, consumerism, grabbing things, getting things, is that gonna be the boss of me? Or am I gonna let Jesus be my guide and direct my path? You can't do both. As the Bible says, you can't serve both God and money. You can't let, someone's gotta be in control. Have you ever been in a group? This happens all the time in groups. Um, I love studying group group dynamics, small group dynamics. Have you ever been in a group where there's really not one boss? There's nobody in charge? There is nothing more frustrating than that. You're like, who's in charge? Everyone wants their opinion, but nobody wants to say it. And then someone jumps up and they want to be in charge, but everybody's like, that person should not be in charge. So it's just this system of just chaos. And yet many of us are living in that chaos because sometimes... Yeah, sometimes we'll let Christ lead, and then sometimes we're going to let fear lead. And then sometimes we're going to let money lead, and then sometimes we'll let the Lord be in charge. And, then so, and it's just this chaos. We're going to get into this in a little bit when we talk a little bit more about um, Brother Yoon. But there was a lady, for some reason I can't remember her first name, her last name was Monson, not Monson, M-O-S-O-N, like a few people that are part of branches, but M-O-N-S-E-N. And uh, she was a 23-year-old single lady from Norway, and in 1901, she went to China to be a missionary, Uh, because the missionaries that were there before had gotten kicked out of the country, and some of them were killed. And so, of course, that's the perfect time to go, right? So she said, what? They said, well, somebody go. She goes, I'm in. 23 years old, she takes a boat, no planes, 1901, and she goes into China down in the Henan Henan province, down in the south. And she's there, and she, you know, most of the people would come in and try to, you know, hey, be nice, be friendly, 23-year-old, young girl. And she looks at the believers that are there, and she says, you talk about Jesus with your lips, but your hearts are far from him. That's not the way to win people's approval, is it? But that's what she saw. She saw that truth happening. And she said, look, you guys are bouncing back and forth. You're letting these things drive you, and on your lips you talk about Christ, and sometimes he's driving you, but then you come right back. You're being tossed around like like, like a boat in the ocean. The currents are coming up, the wind's blowing. You're getting blown all over the place because you haven't decided what's gonna actually drive you. You need to make that decision. Where will you stand? That's what it means when in the word of God, It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is where we stand. Each of us needs to make that decision, where are we gonna stand? And Paul is saying here, look, I can't try to please people and be a servant of Christ. Now that word servant, that means slave. But in that context, it means a bond servant. It's like an employer to an employee. And Paul's saying, look, I was hired. I I could choose what job I was going to take, and I chose this. I chose to be a bondservant. I belong to Christ. He decides my hours. He decides where my time goes. I belong to him. You can't have two bosses. And he's saying, look, I can't have people be my boss. There is nothing more frustrating than let people guide you. It needs to be the Lord. I hear all the time, wow, Bo, you're so... You don't care what anybody thinks. Oh, I completely care what people think. I really care what people think, which is all the more reason why I have to remind myself about this passage. I have to remind myself that I can't please people. I've tried. You know what I'm talking about? You could, you could be in, a, in a, a job where your actual job is to make people happy, and they'll still be unhappy. It's, it's like David Wilcox said, there's a hole in the cup that holds love inside of us. We can't please them, but we can love them. There's a big difference. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. We need to make a decision where we're going to stand. And when we make that decision, it's going to direct our paths, This passage, I think, puts it into practical terms. It puts it into practical terms. How are we going to live in the next hour? What's your plans for next week? What's your plans for when you graduate? What's your plan for when you retire? What's your plan for your job change? What's your plan for your current living situation? James says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what you're, what's gonna happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. Think of that, a mist. You know, when you go into Disneyland, you know, when you go to like um, Magic Mountain and it's blazing hot and they have those little things, a little mist that comes out. Oh, thank you, thank you, because you're in that four hour long line and it's 90 degrees. But that mist comes out and as soon as you turn it off, it's gone. He's saying that we're a mist. We appear for a little while and then vanish. Instead, this is what you ought to say. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. You're like, boasting? All I said was I'm going to retire at 54. How's that boasting? James is calling that boasting, saying you're the boss. He's saying that's arrogant. Imagine if you came to your boss. You know, I know we're supposed to get off at five. That's just not working for me. I mean, the waves are going off right now. Or, you know what? There's my friends. They're going out to get. I, I, I just would love to hang with them. So I'm out of here. It's two o'clock. I'm gone. You're fired, right? You know what? I need you. I need you to get those. I need you to get those papers. I need you to get those done. Um, I need those done by three o'clock. Three o'clock comes, where are the papers? You know, um, it was the NFL draft, and I was pretty fired up, so I was following along to see where my, how the chargers were doing. They picked up a great receiver in the fr- I just got caught up. What? That's arrogance, right? What he's saying is, look, the boss is in charge of your schedule, right? He, it's God's will that should be driving us As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I love what someone told me recently. And I've been holding on to it for a while and and I actually shared it with my wife several times and Um, because we get pulled and pulled. We get pulled, we get pushed, lifted, pushed down by people. All of us do, right? You don't have enough time on this planet to please people. You have not been given enough time. You've only been given enough time to please God. That's all you're responsible for. If you're feeling all exhausted, if you're feeling pulled in and torn apart, it's because you have too many bosses. You're being swept around by the current. It needs to be where we focus and settle down and clear out our calendar, our blackboard, and say, who's the boss? Who's actually in charge here? I don't know if you've ever done this. It's an amazing exercise. You take your schedule, we do it for our staff, and we say, okay, for the next week, Actually, we did it for two weeks this last time. We said for the next two weeks, in case you have a weird week, write down where all of your time goes. And so we had a little Excel sheet and you can color code it however you want to do it, but you say where your time goes. You woke up, your time went here. Then you met with this person, then you did this computer work. What'd you do on the computer? You know, because you say, Oh, I was doing computer work. Yeah, well, we know where you can go on the computer, right? Netflix here, a little ESPN.com there, a little Pinterest here, whatever. What did you actually do with that time? And as you start to put that time out, even I had to make my lunch in the morning. So I had to, I put, uh, lunch, which I don't do. But, you know, you, oh, I had breakfast. Everything. Doing your wash. Making your bed. I don't do that either. All these little things that you're supposed to do. You put all that down. You realize, wow, time really goes. It takes all this pressure off of you because you feel like you should be doing all these different things. But it's impossible when you actually look at your time schedule and you see it laid out. You're like, wow. I'm really only given so much time. You're only given enough time to please God, not to please other people. So you need to seek him. And that sets you free from trying to have all these different bosses controlling, guiding, and directing you. So the question here then is, is who is guiding and controlling your day-to-day activities? So I wrote down a few things here that I didn't want to forget I tried it last week actually following my notes. Yeah, it went okay. But there were a few things that I want to make sure I didn't uh, forget. And one of them is, is is without without God being in control, you're going to bounce around all over the place. You're going to bounce around with your job. You're going to bounce around with your friends. You're going to bounce around in relationships. Your finances are going to go crazy. Um, because you're being shifted left and right. You're, you're going to be in and out with your family. Your marriage is going to be up and down. Churches. You're going to be at this church, then you're going to go to that church, then you're going to go to this church, then you're going to go to that because, well, I don't like this and I don't like that. We do that with everything. We become consumers rather than bond servants of Christ. We got to stop bouncing around. With your schedule, simplify things you got to cut some things out. you got to make things simpler because you're trying, you're doing so much good, but you're not doing the best. You need to cut out a lot of good so that you can focus on the best. But how are you going to come to that conclusion? you got to decide who's controlling and guiding. Say, Lord, take a look at this. Where should my time go? Where should these abilities that you've given me, where should they go? Where should this money that you've given me, where should it go? You have to choose your motivation. Those voices are never going to be quiet. They're always going to be going, whether it's the guilt one or the shame one. I wish I could tell you, hey, you just pray a certain prayer, and then it's just gone. You're never going to be afraid again. You're never going to be guilty again. You're never going to try to um, gain people's approval. You're never going to try to worry about material things. It doesn't work like that. Those voices are still going to be there, trying to distract you and guide you aside. But you need to make the decision, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You need to be able to say, like Paul, am I not trying to please God or man? If I was trying to please people, I couldn't also be a servant, a bond servant to Christ. Christ couldn't be the boss, because there can only be one boss. There can only be an audience that listens to one voice, the audience of one there's a man that's um, been a huge influence. I'm looking over here to see if she's here. No, she's not here. But one of my friends gave me this book because we were talking about books and, and she said this was her favorite book of uh, all time. And when someone tells you, hey, this is my favorite book of all time and you respect that person, well, you read it. So it's called um, The Heavenly Man. I'm warning you right now that if you read this book, you're in big trouble. Um... I told you about the missionary that went to China. She went to the Henan province. Um, This man was born in 1957. And so her influence came all the way and affected him. It's illegal to be uh, a Christian in China. It's illegal to be a pastor in China. When I say illegal, it means you get beat up, you get killed, or you get thrown in prison. Um... They've tried to kill Brother Yoon several times. He's been imprisoned three different times. When it comes to deciding to follow Christ or to make him your boss, these are the kind of people you listen to. I'm going to need your help in the back on the uh, pro presenter because mine just disconnected. So I want you to be able to see what I'm reading. So um, let me see if I can even pop it up on my screen at all. We've become so high-tech now that it gets in our way. But luckily, I've got this old-school thing here called a book. And this is where I got those quotes from. He was, uh, is this the first one on the slide? This is the very first one? This is what Brother Ewan said, because like I said, he was in jail three different times. And when you go to jail there, you don't just sit in jail, and then you get to go out in the schoolyard and play basketball. Um, You're tortured. Uh, Most of them die. Uh, In fact, when the missionary came out from Norway, uh, 49 pastors in this province were thrown into prison, and 48 of them died in that prison. So, this is what Brother Yoon said. He said, The first time I went to prison, I struggled, wondering why God had allowed it. Makes sense, right? Duh. Slowly, I began to understand he had a deeper purpose for me than just working for him. He wanted to know me, and I to know him deeply and intimately. He knew the best way to get my attention for a while was to give me rest. Behind bars. What? Like, we can't relate with that. And he says, look, don't try to. You have to deal with your own struggles. This is what we have to deal with here in China. Don't feel guilty because you don't have to go through what we through. And then he says this. Whenever I hear a house church Christian has been imprisoned for Christ in China, I don't advise people to pray for his or her release. I want to read that again because I want to make sure that you heard what I just said because I had to read that several times the first time. I underlined it. I pretty much ripped through the paper in this book. Whenever I hear a house church Christian has been imprisoned for Christ in China, I don't advise people to pray for his or her release. So when we hear about people in China being imprisoned by Facebook or whatever, he's saying, no, don't pray for their release. What? Because he says this, Unless the Lord clearly reveals we should pray this way. Why would he ask that? Because he's been in prison. And this is how he describes being in prison. He says, he says, God was not finished with me yet. So the best way I can describe this, he said, it's like a a chicken, that embryo needs to be in the egg for 21 days. If that little chicken, if someone's like, oh, poor chicken, let me let you out early. You've been in there for 14 days, and you try to let that little chicken out, that chicken will die. That chicken has to be in there for 21 days. Not 20, not 22, not 19, not 23, 21 days. And for him and for all these others, not just the pastors, you You're like, well, that's for the pastors. Thank God I'm not a pastor. No, this is for anyone in the church. If they're found following Christ instead of the country, the nation, they're thrown into prison. And he's saying, don't pray for the release because I'm experiencing this. I've gone through this. My friends have gone through this. Don't take us out too early. God is our boss. He hears our prayers, and he wants what's best for us. We have to look at extreme situations like this so that our situations can make more more sense. And this is the last thing he says. I'm often asked about the rights of pastors in China. Our rights. You know, what we're given. He said a pastor has no rights except the rights of a slave. Except, he's not talking about the government. He's saying a pastor, a minister, A follower of Christ has no rights because they're a slave. They've chosen to be a slave. Brother Yoon chose not to go to prison, he chose to be a slave of Christ, a servant of Christ. And he says this everyone in this world is a slave. They're either slaves to sin, to sin means the wrong thing, so they're either slave to fear, they're a slave to materialism, they're a slave to guilt they're a slave to pleasing other people, or they're slaves of Christ. Our rights are in the hands of Jesus. That's what we're here on earth for. When we let other things drive us, we let other currents push us around, we get lost. We need to decide where do you stand. As for you and your house, who will you be a servant to? So I want to invite the worship team up to lead us in prayer as they guide us. Um, Could you all please stand with me? If you want to, you can sit right back down. If you can't stand, please don't worry about it. I just want us to have a proper posture to start with. That posture may be you want to be on your knees. That posture may be that you want to lay down. You may want to put your hands in your face. You may want to put your hands straight up in the air. I don't know. But we're going to come before Christ. And I want us to ask that question. Who do we serve? Father. I ask that you would guide us as a church. That you would not just be on our lips. That you would not just be on my lips. But that our hearts would be near you. That you would teach us how to hear your voice. That you would set us free. Because following you Lord. Although we are binding ourselves to you. It's not like slavery. But Lord, many of us are are trapped by the slavery of the other things that are driving us around. You came so that we'd have life and have it to the full. You said you came to set the captives free. Please, Lord, set us free and give us the keys to set others, others free. We ask this in the name of Jesus.
0: You guys can take a quick seat as I close this today. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, guys. Um, so a couple of quick, super quick things. For If you have not given your life to Christ before and you're like, why would I want to let that be my driving force? I just want to let you know that there is incredible joy and freedom in knowing that it's not all up to you to figure it out and be the one that figures out where your life goes and being a slave or servant to Christ, there's actually incredible freedom in that. So I encourage you to look into the Bible, ask a friend, um, do some research. Um, But for those of us that um, do strive to have Christ be the one that drives us, uh, be our guiding force, it's super easy to be tossed around like a boat in the waves and the current. and I find for myself that is the case all the time. Um, gotta be honest, my wife and I got a puppy a couple weeks ago, and that has been the driving force all hours of the day and night lately. And it's just easy to let some external force of the world, whether it be a puppy or fear or all those other things we talked about, be what starts to drive what you do. Um, but I think. One, one of the key ways to help center or allow Christ to be the one that steps in and drives you and is what, um, where your focus is, is um, what Boogie said last week, try to give one minute, one minute in the day, morning or some point in the day, it's going to turn into more than a minute, and you're not going to be able to have Christ be the one that is inside of you, driving you, unless you're spending time with him, getting to know him, like he read from Brother Yoon he needed to spend time in prison so that God could know him better and that he could know God better. And if you don't know God and you don't know Jesus and you don't know that love he has for you, then that's, there's no way that's going to be what's coming out of you and be what um, people see in you also. So um, I want to close us in prayer. Um, Father God, we're just so grateful to be here this morning. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your son. Um, and we just pray, Father, that we would allow you to just be that force, be what drives our thoughts, our actions, and hopefully ultimately loving you and loving one another. Um, We ask this in the name of your son Jesus, amen. So thank you guys for joining us this morning. If you have kids, go get them, help pick up some chairs, say hi to one another, go get some food with one another. Have a blessed week. Thank you. This kid